Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Uh, we are, we're going to come, come to a landing over the next few weeks in this sermon series called uh, Church for the Ill. Uh, the month of December, we're going to spend uh, focused on, on tables. Our, we, we, we have a design out for our Christmas Eve service. And uh, the guy who kind of marketed our design, he used this quote, uh, build longer tables, not higher walls. I just love that. The Bible talks often about being invited to the table of the Lord, and so uh, we're going to talk about that theme in, in, in December, uh, but I want to kind of spend the next week just continuing to go through, through the Gospels, and I got to be honest with you, this message is not going to be a cute message. You know sometimes you come to church, it's cute, right? You know what I'm talking about? There's cute gyms, did you know that? Like anybody playing a fitness member here? Nobody wants to admit that, right? You're like, not me. Anybody pay the $20 a month to go to playing a fitness here? Okay, there we go. And so... Planet Fitness is a cute gym, right? Like if you go to a gym, I don't know if they do this anymore, but when Planet Fitness first started coming out, they had all these signs that said, no judgment. <laughs> what else do you do at a gym? And so like, anyway, and so no, no judgment, right? All this stuff. And then they, they used to, uh, one day a week they, or a month, they would have bagels. You remember that? Anybody ever seen that? Bagels, Be- bagels, right? At a gym. That's not a, that, that does not make sense, right? And so, and then they would have pizza one night, right? Because Planet Fitness is a cute gym. You go there if you want to stay cute and fluffy, right? And so, like, it's not, it's not, so uh, church is like this. <laughs> I'm going to get an email. And so, like, we get an email about the Christmas decorations. I already feel it, right? And so there's been a lot of hate about that today. And so, uh, but th- this is not going to be a cute message. In fact, uh, the title of my message is Ridiculously Ugly. That's the title of my message, Ridiculously Ugly. Uh, I, I, when I grew up, I used to love a good your mom joke, and so I'm not going to do a your mama joke, but I did also like uh, you're so ugly jokes, right? You're so, you can't talk about ugly without throwing a couple, couple you're so ugly jokes. Here's a couple of my favorite from, that I found that I also liked growing up, but you're so ugly, your mom makes you look in the mirror as punishment. You're so ugly, your mom puts meat around your head so your dog will play with you. You're so ugly, you make onions cry. You're so ugly, a farmer puts your face up for a scarecrow, right? I like this one. You're so un- ug- ugly, you threw a boomerang and didn't come back. That's how ugly. <laughs> You're so ugly. You're so ugly. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about your past. It's so ugly. You're, you're so ugly. I mean, you've been married a few times. You're so ugly. Like a few times, like four. You're so ugly. You know, let's talk about the ugliest parts of your life. You had an abortion. You're, you're ugly. You're so ugly, you, 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 you're an addict. You're not, you, you, didn't, you weren't a history of an addict. You are an addict. Like, let's just be honest. You're popping something, shooting something, taking something, drinking something. It's ugly. Let's not even talk about the inside of your head. It's so ugly in there. Like your thought life. Your mouth, the Bible says you're going to give an account for every word that you speak, but you are writing checks with your mouth that your life will not be able to catch. It's ugly. Your relationship history is ugly. Your sexual past is ugly. It's ugly. Here's my question for you today. Here's what I want to, I want to kind of, I want to unpack. How ugly is too ugly for Jesus? I want you to think about that. Because in church, we, 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 t- we tend to have a list of that, like, uh, there's a certain level of ugly that God's okay with, kind of cute ugly. You know what I'm talking about? Like lies, uh, 
you maybe a little bit of an addiction, maybe you have a little bit of sexual promiscuity in your life, maybe you've done a little things, but then there's like certain people, if we're honest, there's the people that have done really bad things, they're in prison, they're locked up, they, they, they've done some things maybe, that they're like, it, they're too ugly. Like how, I'm gonna ask you again, I want you to think about this, I want you actually to think about what you think about this. How ugly is too ugly? How ugly is too ugly for Jesus, I started thinking about this, this, this thought, and uh, a few months ago, you know, a, a, the, the story of, of you know, the life of Jeffrey Dahmer came out on Netflix. I don't know if anybody watched it. I couldn't watch it. it was dis- it's disturbing, and I know the story is disturbing, and uh, it's gory, and it's, it's hard to even read and understand and fathom how somebody could get to, to that point. And uh, the debate about Jeffrey Dahmer's life is not as if he deserved what he got, if he got killed in prison and all, like, he, 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 was, a, he was an awful human being. Like, it's, there's, there's no debate about it. He, he, was, he was ugly. Like, he did some really disturbing things in his life. And most of us would say he's ugly. Here's the debate about Jeffrey Dahmer, though, uh, and the part that they didn't really cover too much in that, mo- in that documentary series or whatever it was and, and, and what I read. I didn't get to that part. But they said they didn't cover what happened to him when he was in prison. We know he was murdered in prison and killed. And maybe rightfully so. Maybe he was so ugly he deserved that. But before that he was murdered in prison, he had an encounter uh, with Jesus. That, that's, that's, that's the story. Um, he had a man named Pastor Roy Radcliffe come in and begin to talk to him about Christ and talk to him about God's forgiveness and talk to him about God's grace. In fact, he, he wrote a book, you can, you can read it, it's entitled Dark Journey, Deep Grace. Dark Journey, Deep Grace. And he, he talks about the, the, the actual conversion of, of Jeffrey Dahmer. Now some of us would say, that's, of course he converted, he's in prison. He's too ugly. Some of us would say, if God can save him and God takes him, I don't want any part of that. Because I have my, my limits. In fact, Pastor Ratcliffe, he, he, he said this at the funeral of Jeffrey Dahmer when he did the memorial service. He said, Jeff confessed to me of his great remorse for his crimes. He wished he could go do something for the families of his victims to make it right, but there was nothing he could do. He turned to God because there was no one else to turn to. But he showed great courage in asking this one daring question to me one day. He said, could heaven be for me too? Am I, am I, am I still able to, to experience grace? He says, I think many people are resentful of him for asking that question, but he dared to ask and he dared to believe the answer. Is heaven for me too. Is there a certain level you get to where your life is too ugly and Jesus doesn't want to do anything with your life? And so what I want to do is I want to prove you whatever you say, there's a level. Listen, here's what I always say. If your heart's still beating, Jesus can still save you. There, there's nowhere. In fact, we know this from scripture. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Timothy 1. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves what does he say? Full acceptance, not partial acceptance, not a little bit. If you're a part of the church, full acceptance. Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am. What does he say? I'm not a cute sinner. I'm the worst. And for that reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ, Christ might, might display his immense patience. I love that. You should highlight that. As an example to those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So what I want to do is I want to take you into what I think is one of the most ugly moments of the Gospels. 
One of the most non-cute moments. One of the moments that if you don't know Christ and his extent and why he came, he came for the sick, not the healthy. If you don't know the extent of his grace, if you don't know his extent of his ability to dig into somebody's ugliest parts of their life, this will confuse you. Problem is some of you grew up in church and we have PG-ified the Bible. Some of you old enough to remember the flannel boards in Sunday school. Some of you didn't grow up in church, and some would argue it's better for you. And so, uh, but some of us grew up in church, and we were conf- confirmed and indoctrinated and taught. And we had, we had little flannel boards that they would put people on, on, the, on, on the flannel board. You remember the story of David and Goliath? They would have him slinging a, a, a rock and hitting Goliath. What they never had was David holding Goliath's head on the flannel board. That would have been awesome. <laughs> right? Like, they didn't do those things. We PGified the Bible. Like we weren't truthful, and so what do we do? We don't really dig into the disgusting, disturbing parts where you don't fully understand Jesus. Like there's moments, if you don't understand who Jesus came for, that you're not going to get. If you have a political view of Jesus, you're not going to understand this, because a politician would never do what he's about to do. If you have a, a view of Jesus where you think he's just trying to be popular, he's trying to get people to follow him, he would never do what he was about to do. He would never accept the people in his church that he would have accepted if he was was just coming to be popular, but Jesus came for something different. He came for something uh, deeper. He came for the sick, the Bible says, not the healthy. And I want to show you the significance of this because it's not cute at all. It's actually kind of confusing. It's actually quite uh, uh, ridiculous of what he's about to do. But in this story right here, we PGified it. I was getting to that point. You ever, you ever remember when you were a kid, not only do we flannel board stuff if you grew up in school, but we sang little ditties for songs, you know what I'm talking about? Not the rapper, like little ditties, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you, it's right over your head, right? And so... You know what I'm talking about? Like we used to sing little songs to make the Bible seem more understandable. So we sing this song about this guy in, 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 in Sunday school when I was a kid and went something like this. Zach Kius was a wee, come on, help me. And a wee little man was he. And then you, and then you do this stupid little, he climbed up in, a, right, teaching some of your kids right now to see what he could see, right? And you know, the lady's 75 years old, she's doing her thing and you're, it's super cute. There is nothing cute about this story. It is ridiculous. It's a moment where you, if you actually dig into it, you go, Jesus, what were you thinking? Why would you do this? Let me just take you into the story. Luke chapter 19 says, Jesus entered Jericho. And as he passed through, as he passed through, the Bible says a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Highlight that. He was a chief tax collector and he, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was, not, he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, just real quick, just want to kind of give you a little side note. He never met Zacchaeus before, but he knows him by name. Can I just make sure we, we, we establish that theologically, that the creator of the heavens and the earth knows you by name? It's important. You might have felt overlooked. You might have felt unimportant. You might have felt like one of a billion. You might not feel significant. You might not feel like anybody would care if you were alive. But the creator of the universe puts you on this earth for something significant. And he knows you by name. His eyes have been on you since before the foundations of the world. While he was molding you in your mother's womb, the Bible says that he was fixated on you. The Bible calls you his masterpiece. The, the Bible says that he has a good plan for, for, for your life. And so he walks in, he sees Zacchaeus, he calls him by name, and he says, come down immediately, I need to go to your house today. This is scandalous. 
Out of all of the people, you're going to his house? So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this, and what did they begin to do? Mutter. That is the Bible's way of saying they're pissed. They're not muttering. They're mad. They're cursing under their breath. They can't believe it. You know, the two women are in the back corner talking about Jesus, right? They can't believe that he did this. How could he hang out with Zacchaeus, the Bible says? He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to, the, said to the Lord, look, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times. Jesus said, today, salvation has come to your house because this man too, this is important, this phrase, he says he's a son of Abraham because to be a son of Abraham meant you were in the family of God. You, you are welcome into the family of, of God. This, this tax collector, the Bible says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I couldn't figure out any other word to say this than this. This is just absolutely ridiculous of Jesus. You ever been in a moment that's just been absolutely ridiculous? You almost have to laugh. I had one of those moments even this week. Like there's been times in my life where something just is so ridiculous. You just have to laugh so you don't cry. We bought a new stove last year. It's not even a year old. And uh, we bought it. It sat in my garage for a few months. We were moving stuff around in my kitchen. And so when we installed it, uh, it's technically over a year old, but we've only been using it for about nine months. And so how many of you know when you buy something that it only has a year warranty because everything is garbage now? So we bought this stove and we were using it the other night. Leah was about to go to a, a women's conference. She was leaving on Thursday morning. It was Wednesday night. We tried to turn it on, make some fish sticks. We were having a really, you know, healthy dinner that night. And so put the fish sticks in the oven. We were in a hurry. We got some stuff to do. Turned on the, turned on the oven to high heat and the fish sticks would not cook. I Googled it. I'm like, what's wrong with my stove? I don't know what to do. You know, I went on YouTube. YouTube can fix anything. And I figured out, you know, it's not working. And so... <laughs> So we went down to the microwave, which is downstairs, because we don't have a microwave upstairs in our house, because my wife, you know, loves Kimberton, and you can't use a microwave in Kim if you like Kimberton, and so, like, it's bad for you. And so we went downstairs, we heated up our dinner, and uh, she called a repairman. Now, some, we were so busy that I let my wife, I trusted her with calling a, re a repairman, and I didn't even look at the reviews or anything else like that. I just trusted her. And so she called this repair company. They set it up. They're going to come on Friday. They're going to look at our stove. Uh, this guy shows up at 11 o'clock on, on Friday. He walks in, super nice guy, talks zero English. Here's the problem. I took two years of, of Spanish, but I didn't listen at all. I, all I know is Donde es Albano, right? And so, and I know where the bathroom's at. And so we're fine. So he comes in. He looks at it. He says, don't work, right? I said, thank you for that. I said, what, what are we going to do? And he just starts, I mean, everyone just pulls the whole thing out, right? Just pulls the whole thing out, takes his tools out, starts taking it apart, starts flying all over the place. I'm like, do you know the problem? And he just smiles at me because that's all we speak together is smiling. And I'm just sitting there. I'm just thinking, this is absolutely ridiculous. By the time he's done, he has my entire oven pulled apart, my entire stove, the top's off, the back's off, it's unplugged with the wall. It's pulled out into the middle of the, of the kitchen. I can't get to my sink. I can't get to my dishwasher. I can barely get to the refrigerator and I got this stove and this guy who doesn't speak English he's smiling at me he says it's broke <laughs> he puts somebody on the phone she speaks a little bit of, of English we can understand each other and she says your stove's broke and I said thank you she said how much is it she said we'll let you know and I said when are you gonna let me know she'll we'll let you know when we get back I said back She's like, we have to go to the warehouse and get the part so he left and get in his car went to the warehouse an hour and a half later he, she called me back she says we don't have the part and I went into my kitchen and I just went, I have three boys, my wife's in Hershey at the sweetest place in the earth. 
and I can't even get to the dishwasher or the sink. What are we going to do? And I said, when is he coming back? He says, come back tomorrow. I came back tomorrow, yesterday. He was kind of late. He didn't get there on time. This time they brought somebody who, you know, worked over him. It was in charge. And he talked a little bit of English. And they were, I'm, I'll be honest, one of the coolest companies I've ever worked with. So good, so honest. All these things fixed it up, pushed it back in. But I just had this moment in the middle of it. On Friday night, when my kids were, were kind of around, my, son, my oldest son was at a soccer thing with his friends. And I was sitting at the, the island looking at it. And I just, I just wanted to cry. I got screws everywhere. I'm like, he's never coming back. We're never going to have a stove. We're supposed to leave for Oklahoma in a few days. I'm never going to eat again. We're going to starve. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is just one of those moments. Like, it's just, it's hard for us to comprehend what's happening in this moment. But this is absolutely ridiculous. Some of us would say this is an absolutely, uh, absolute moment of ridiculous taste by Jesus. Like, if you're not careful with the gospel understanding, when Jesus hangs out with the people that often we think are too ugly and he does things and he reaches, like, sometimes you can go, this seems like it's a little much Jesus. Some of you won't understand this because you had Zacchaeus climbing the sycamore tree, but if you could just get by all that, that cute little song he used to sing, and we could just actually break down who he was as a person. So you understand how ridiculous this is of Jesus? Like of all the people in Jericho, he goes to Zacchaeus' house. So the Bible lets us know Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. Let me just break down what that means to us. Now, we, if we hear that, we're going, yeah, nobody likes paying taxes, right? But let me break down how ugly this dude was. This was a Jewish man. At that time, the Romans had come in to where the Jewish people lived and taken it over. One of the rules was, as long as you pay taxes and as long as you obey Roman law, we'll allow you to partake in your own religious acts and follow your own kind of way of living, but you're going to pay us a hefty tax. We're going to protect you. We're going to control you. Uh, we're going to be here. You're going to see us in your business. You're going to give us money. Romans were smart, though. Here's what they would do. They would not send in people from outside and, you know, collect taxes and it kind of be weird. What they would do is they would go into a city and they would find somebody they could buy. So Zacchaeus was bought by the evil Roman Empire, and his job was to collect tax, taxes from his family and friends uh, at the expense of them living. So here's what had happened. Not only was he collecting taxes, but it was customary at that time and expected that tax collectors that were Jewish would be taking money from their family and friends that they had to give to the Romans. But on top of what they were taking, they were skimming some off the top. We don't know how long he's been doing it, but he's been doing it enough to get wealthy, the Bible says. Not only is he wealthy, but he's now moved to the position where he's the chief tax collector. He's in control of a bunch of other tax collectors. Let me just explain to you what would have happened at that time. Because of what he did, uh, kids would have went hungry. People would have not had the Christmases that they, they, they could have had. They didn't celebrate Christmas back then, but just work with me, okay? And so... Kids would have went hungry. Kids would have not had the education, not have been able to afford the things. Uh, there, there would have been real struggle. Some, some books I've read said people would have died because of the tax they were, the Romans were putting on people. Like kids would have struggled. So Zacchaeus grew up in this city, right? He was so ugly. He worked at the expense of, of his people getting rich. And by the way, he could have caused his family, friends that he grew up with, he could have caused their kids to, to die, to struggle, to starve, to got sick. Maybe they didn't have money to pay for a doctor. This dude was hated. He was not a popular guy. And here's the thing, rightfully so. So when Jesus comes in and he's looking around and he's trying to figure out who he's going to hang out with, I can make a list of about 100 people who would be get better candidates. We, don't, we do that at church. 
There's some people who are candidates for Jesus to change, but there's some people that I know that, and let me just be honest, they're too ugly. They're, they're, they're too far gone. The fact that you're even talking about how Jesus can change them. Some of us, as soon as I talked about Jeffrey Dahmer, right, you're like, no. If God can reach him and he's, he's so graceful that he reaches him, no, I don't want anything to do with that God. Why? Because it's ridiculously taste, tasteless to go in and give that God grace. He doesn't deserve it. But others of us who have been in some places in our lives that have been through some stuff that have found uh, the goodness and the mercy of God, here's what we would say. This is Jesus showing his ridiculous grace to this man. His ridiculous grace. L let me explain to you grace because we have a problem with it a lot. And, and even in church, we have a problem with grace. A lot of times we're like, it's too good to be true. It's going to get taken for granted. Like we don't want to talk about, about grace. But here's the thing about grace. The grace of God stands in a category all by itself. I want you to think about this. Grace is irrational to the thinker. It's unfair to the judge. I got anybody in here that, that likes stuff fair? Me, me, I do. It's not fair. Grace is irrational. Grace is foolishness to the achiever. It is a waste to the selfish. Grace is a mistake to the disciplinarian. And it is shameful to the religionist. But it's a stream of water to the thirsty. It's freedom to the imprisoned. It's life to the dead. Grace is rest to the tired. It is another chance to the failed. It is hope to the despondent. It's a way out for the lost and a way in for those who can see the door. Think about what grace did in the Bible. Grace threw a party for a returning prodigal without saying a word about his sin. Grace pays everybody the same regardless of what time of the day they began to work. Grace restores dignity to whores that everybody else wants to stone. Grace hugs the diseased leper that nobody else wants to touch. It's a ridiculous amount of grace. Here's the thing about it. That's the star of our faith. It's grace. It's grace. In fact, uh, years ago, I used to, uh, when I was trying to, you know, understand grace and understand reaching people that feel far from God, and because, you know, I grew up in church. So sometimes when you grow up in church, it's hard for you to understand grace because you're impressed with yourself. Like, I only listened to Carmen Audio Adrenaline growing up. If you don't know those bands, don't even look them up. Don't waste your time, right? Like, I only listened to them. I didn't smoke. I barely cursed when my parents were around, right? I didn't watch rated R movies. I went to Christian school. I, I, I had a curfew at Christian school. On Thursday nights, we came in at 930 for devos, right? And so, like, all these things that I've done. So here's the problem. When you did that, I graduated with a C average from Bible college, y'all. I'm impressive. <laughs> and when you're impressed with yourself, it's really hard to be impressed with God. Some of you are too impressed with yourself, but those of us that have been some places in our lives and realize what God has done, all of a sudden you began to understand grace. And so when I first started this church, I'm like, I want to understand grace. I want to understand what it feels like to come into this place and feel ugly on the inside and have all these things you're struggling with and to step into the, in the presence of God and have him forgive you and have him set you free. I want to know what that feels like. I want to know what it looks like to create an atmosphere where people easily are able to respond to the goodness of God. And so I really started studying different theologians and different teachers and different doctors and people who, who talked like this. And so I, I would go constantly to this guy named Tony Campolo who, who actually was from this area. And it was weird 
because I was living in Oklahoma at that time, but Tony was living in here and he worked at a college called Eastern University. And here's the thing, this is not a, a, a shout out to him. I don't know anything about him since probably 15 years ago, but about 15 years ago, I read this, this, this story about Tony that literally changed my life, right? And so this is what Tony said. He said, one time uh, I was at Hawaii at a conference. I'm like, I want to go to Hawaii, Tony. And so at, to a conference. And so he said, I was at a conference and I had jet lag and I couldn't sleep. And so it was the middle of the night and I was like, I should go to a diner, get some, some coffee, you know, you know, maybe study a little bit for the conference. So he went to this diner he found. He was sitting there at the bar, getting a cup of coffee. And, and, and as, as he was sitting there, the door swung open and he said, four or five women came walking in. And it was clear very early on that they were prostitutes at the end of their shift. They were talking loud. They were sitting in the booth behind them. And he said, one of the, one of the prostitutes uh, was, was speaking and he could overhear her. And here's what she said. She said, hey, my birthday's tomorrow. My birthday's tomorrow. And he said, he heard the other, other one of the other ones say, so? What, do you want a party? And it kind of got awkward and uh, they left and uh, Tony called the guy that was working. He said, are you, you know, are you the owner? Can I talk to you? He, a guy came over. He said, hey, um, I overheard their conversation. He was like, do they come here all the time? And, he, and the guy said, yeah, they come every night, same time, end of their shift. Um, they, they hang out. He said, would you mind tomorrow if I, if I brought, a, brought, brought a cake and, and, and some you know, party stuff? And we threw a surprise party for her. And, he, and the guy said, why? He said, I don't know. I just feel like it's, the, it's what God wants me to do. And Tony's a pastor. He's at this conference. And so uh, the next morning he shows up at the diner. He has a cake. He has some party hats. He has a, you know, those things and all that stuff. And the girls come walking in. And when they come walking in, he's there with a few other people. He's gathered and they shout, surprise! And the lady gets the cake. And uh, the story says when the lady was, was given the cake that she said, can we not cut the cake? I've never gotten a cake before. Can I take it home? And she was in tears and she was grateful and she was thankful and she couldn't believe somebody would think of her because, you know, the night before somebody said they don't care and let's just be honest, she lives an ugly life where people just kind of treat her like trash. And, and, uh, and, and the, the owner finally said, hey, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. He said, what kind of church do you pastor? He said, I pastor the type of church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at two o'clock in the morning. That's grace. That's what's happening here. He, he don't, the question is not what do you deserve? Let me, can we just, can we not be cute for a second? I'm going to change your life. You deserve, outside of Christ, hell. You're not a good person. You're a scumbag. I'm not, not going to try to offend you. I'll talk about myself. I'm an over-exaggerator. I'm prideful. I'm competitive to a T. I would cheat to win. I've just tried to find it in the Bible. It's not in there. I wouldn't be a good husband. I wouldn't stay married. I wouldn't certainly do what I did for, for my life. I, 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 I wouldn't be loving. I wouldn't be kind. I wouldn't be generous. I would get mine. Outside of, of God's grace in my life, the Bible says on my last breath that I would stand before the God that could judge me for my sins, that he would remember every one of them, and he, I would hear, depart from me. I never knew you. And the Bible says, because of my sin, that I will be separated from God and cast out into the eternal lake of fire. That's what scripture says. But I live a butt life, a big butt. And the butt is, but the gift of God came in and saved me and changed me and transformed me and healed me and make me whole. 
And so this is what I call ridiculous grace. Until you get to this point, you won't worship, you won't lift your hands, you won't sing, you'll be more impressed with yourself, you'll be more focused on other people, you'll be compartmentalizing people. I don't know if they should be here. I don't know. Listen, none of us should be here today. There's not one of us, the Bible says, not one of us is impressive in the sight of a holy God. That we all need grace. Some say, well, what does great grace do? Well, grace changes you. Here's how you know that Zacchaeus was changed. I want to show you what grace does because grace has two things it accomplishes in your life. Just really quickly, I want to show you them because they're life-changing. And here's how you know that you've been changed by the grace of God. Because the grace of God's not cheap. It's not, it, wasn't, it wasn't free. It cost Jesus everything. Are you tracking with me? He came up and gave up his life to give us grace. And here's what happened in his life. First thing is he becomes really grateful in his life. You see what the Bible says? It says, so he came down at once. And what does he do? He welcomes him gladly. He becomes really grateful in his life. He can't believe that Jesus has come over to his house. He can't believe he's hanging out with his friends. He can't believe he's overlooking his offenses. He can't believe out of everybody else that he picked him. The second thing that happens is he becomes radically generous. This is, this is what happens when you find Christ. You become really grateful in your life. You can't help it. The second thing is you become radically generous. Watch what happens in Luke 19. The Bible says he stands up and he says, look, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give half of everything that I have to the poor and every person that I've robbed, that I've done illegal things to, I'm going to pay them back four times their amount. In other words, what's captured me, what's held me, what, 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 what's, 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 what's imprisoned me, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to give it all back to you, Lord. I'm going to become radically generous and I'm going to live my life in a really, really grateful way. It's what I would call ridiculous, ridiculous grace. It changes your life forever. I want to give you one more little, little, little insight into, into the story that I think is so, I think is so cool. And so uh, if you read the story, like we don't know how Zacchaeus got to this point, right? But we do know he's, he's, he's short. Are we all trapped? Because if, if, you, if you're not short, you're not climbing a tree to see Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but, but people are ruthless with, with, with each other. Did you know that? So like I, I, in my story, I think like, man, Zacchaeus might have been short his whole life. And so he was bullied at school. They used to call him a wee little man, right? They dude wrote a song about him. We were singing it in Sunday school. And so wee little man, and they used to make fun of him, and they used to, you know, mock him. And so it's, it's, no, it's no wonder he turns into a, this, this, this guy who is ripe for the picking to find something where he can find power because power has been taken from him his whole life. So you ever, you ever be like, how do people get so evil? It's easy. It's easy. Life. How could you get to the point where you're, you're holding some other people's heads? We don't know, but maybe one of his buddies when he grew up that made fun of him, now he was able to collect tax money from him. He's holding it over his head. So he climbs this tree, which to me is really embarrassing. It's really humbling. And he climbs this tree. And, and when I started to study this story, I started realizing, like, we're going to talk more about humility next week, but that's the first step towards Jesus. Is, is humbling yourself before Jesus and saying, I don't have my act together. I, I, I talk about this a lot in church because church is one of the fakest places in the world. 
I don't want that to be for our church, so I try not to be fake with you. And uh, I hope you're not fake with, with me and we're, we're kind of all a work in progress. And you look around, you realize everybody's screwed up just like you. And we're all kind of working together and we are all repenting and we're all moving forward. And all of our marriages struggle and all of our kids are paying the bud and our jobs are tough and our bosses are like, it's just life. Are you tracking with me? Like we're just normal people. And uh, I like to believe that you can be really honest. And so humility is a step of honesty. That's what it is when you say, I, I don't have it all together. Jesus is coming, and he's been changing people. He's been healing people. He's been hanging out with other tax collectors. He's been hanging out with other prostitutes. They keep saying he's partying with sinners. So maybe if that's who Jesus is, maybe if I climb this tree in humility, he'll see me. And what's really interesting, did you notice what the Bible says? Nothing's in the Bible by accident. Do you notice what the Bible, what, what type of tree that, that he climbs? He climbs a sycamore tree. Did you see that? If you study scripture, uh, Jesus, in a few chapters later, is going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's going to cry out to God. He's going to ask God to take this cup, the cup from him of death, and then he's going to say, whatever your will is, I'm going to do it. Uh, he's going to be so stressed that he's literally sweating drops of blood under his stress. Like, he's going to go through it, uh, and most theologians believe that in the Garden of Gethsemane, the main tree, you know what it is? It's a sycamore tree. Sycamore trees were so, were so popular at that time, they were so common, that most crosses the Romans were making at that time out of wood. You know what they were made out of? Sycamore tree. The, the opportunity for, for Jesus to change Zacchaeus' life in that moment, I think our, our understanding of that is directly correlated to our belief in the power of the cross that was made out of sycamore. Like, if you don't have a distinct understanding of the power of the cross, how it can change, how it can transform, how it can heal, how it can make an angry person at peace, how it can make an anxiety-filled person have rest, how it can make a bitter person forgiving, like, the power of the cross to change somebody. If you have a little view of the power of the cross, then you're not going to believe that in this moment, as he climbed this sycamore tree, that the Lord can meet him. But if, if, you're, if you have the right view, you understand that one moment with Jesus can change everything. That's the power of the cross. So let me ask you again, how ugly is too ugly? What's the level? And some of you, you're thinking about, you're thinking about the people, but some of you are going, how ugly is too ugly? Because I'm pretty ugly right now. And this message is for you. If I want to bring it back down and we want to land it, I'm not trying to answer that question for the people answering that question. If you have to answer how ugly is too ugly, you're still ugly. You haven't received grace yet. What I'm really talking to is the person who's in this room where you haven't been to church before or you haven't been to church for years and you've come in here with some baggage. You've come in here with some hidden shame. You, you come in here with, with a past. You come in here in, in an addiction. You, you, you come in here and you got some things in your life and if you're just honest, if you let them out, it's just ugly and you're wondering, is it, is it over? Is it too ugly? Am, am I too lost? Let me take you back to Luke 19. If Jesus can change his life, Zacchaeus' life, if you give him a chance, he'll change yours. But you got to humble yourself. You got to climb that, that tree. You got to get over everything else. You got to get over the distractions. You got to get past the people sitting around you. You, you got to get past your own pride. Man, some of you, you've acted like you got your act together your entire, entire life. Listen, who you are in private has a way of eventually catching up with you. So instead, why don't we just get rid of the facade and the mask and say, I can't do it on my own. Jesus, come into my life. And the Bible says, if you call on him, you know what it says? He'll answer. If you call on him, he'll answer. Would you stand to your feet all over our houses? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?
It's not too bad. You're not too gone. You're not too gross. Your past isn't too dark. That's what Luke 19 is about. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. I see you. I'll call you by name. If you let me, you invite me, I'll come to your life. I'll come into your house. I'll sit with you. I'll eat with you. I'll change you. But you have to ask me. You have to ask me, Jesus, I need you. I need you to heal me. I need you to make me whole. I need you to forgive me. Maybe you didn't understand because we didn't finish the story. But some chapters later, Jesus gets put on trial and uh, they sentence him to death. And he goes and he hangs on a wooden cross, a sycamore cross. The Bible says his hands were nailed and his feet were nailed and uh, he was beaten and he's mocked. And he's bleeding on that cross. But the Bible says that the blood that he's shedding, he's shedding for the atonement of our sins, our life, our mistakes. And he's doing that for us. He would die. Because honestly, the end of our life, the Bible says, is death. But the Bible says that they would take his lifeless body. They would put him in a borrowed tomb of a rich man. They would roll a stone in front of it. And they would try to keep him dead. But on the third day, when they came to anoint his dead body, he was gone. He had rose in power. And here's the message of the Bible. It's not over. It's not over. I'm the God of the impossible. If you would invite me into your mess, if you would invite me into your ugly, I already forgave you. I already paid the price. I'll give you the power. I'll come into your life right now. I'll heal you and I'll make you whole. But you got to ask. You got to ask. It's simple. The Bible says, for anyone who calls on the Lord, you confess with your mouth, and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he would save you and heal you, that he would forgive you and he would set you free. It's not over. You're not too ugly. It's not too bad. It's not too dark. You don't have too much garbage in your life. There's not too much baggage. He's not sick of you, tired of you, disgusted by you, distant from you. He's calling you by name. Hear that. He knows you by name, I promise you. He loves you more than you can imagine. Stop running. Stop trying to do this life on your own. Jesus Christ, would you be my Lord and my Savior? I'm going to put my faith and my trust and my hope in you. If that's you all over this place and you need him right now, you need Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. You need to come into your life. You would say with me, man, it's ugly. It's dark. Stuff's falling apart. I'm struggling. People around me don't even know. But the spirit of the living God right now is meeting me here in this place and I can feel him 
in the very core of, of who I am, and I need him to be my Lord and my Savior. All over this place, in Montgomeryville, if you would say, hey, that's me, in Phoenixville, if you would say, hey, that's me, if that's you all over this place, would you just begin to shoot your hand towards heaven and say, hey, I need the Spirit of God to come into the ugly of my life right now. I need him to heal me. I need him to forgive me. I need him to set me free. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? Would you keep your hand held high for a second if you're in Montgomeryville and you would say, hey, pastor, that's me. I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Would you just put your hand held high and they're going to let me know. Maybe you're online and uh, we, we can't see your hand, but you would just type right there in the chat. I'm responding to the gospel wherever I'm at right now. I need Jesus to come into my life. I need him to heal me and I need him to make me whole. He's the God of the ugly. Let's begin to pray all over this place. And you can put your hands down. If when we pray, I want you to repeat after me. And I know some of you know God and you know him well, uh, but this is a family. And so we do this together. Pray something simple like this all over this house and in Montgomeryville say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for meeting me in the lowest, darkest, ugliest parts of my life. Jesus, you're a loving, forgiving, grace-filled Savior. And today I, today, I put my trust in you. Forgive my sins, heal my past, and be with me today. Jesus, I love you. In your name we pray. Everybody shout amen with me. Amen. Let's clap together. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.